0: Good morning. Good news. How we doing? Hey, my name is Strider. Welcome. We are so glad that you are here. If you are new or visiting, a special welcome to you. We have something located in the seat backs in front of you that we call the Connect Card. We'd love for you to take one of those out. Uh, give us as much contact information as you feel comfortable with. And on your way out this morning, you can put those in the black boxes uh, at the back of the room. Uh, at the bottom of the card, you'll notice that there's an opportunity to, to take a couple next steps One of which is to have lunch with a pastor. So if you're new and would like to know more about good news, would like to get connected here, uh, Smiley would love to go to lunch with you. You could mark that on your card and we'll follow up. The other thing uh, that's happening is we have some Discover Good News classes coming up for September. Uh, The date on one of those is, is incorrect. It's got the old August date on there, but... Uh, discover good news happens on the third wednesday and saturday of every month and so if you've been coming to good news for a while and would like to make good news your church home this is your next step would love for you to mark that on your card uh, let us know which uh, class would be better for your schedule and then we will follow up and get you signed up for that last week was a really fun uh, and exciting week here at good news we had a bunch of stuff restart student ministry restarted Last Sunday, kids moved up to their new uh, class for their rising uh, grade year, and uh, after church uh, last last Sunday, we had a lunch and a back-to-school bash um, to celebrate. And so, if you missed it, we put together a little slideshow, a little video for you to check out. So here it is. <laughs> Thanks to all of our uh, kids' ministry, small group leaders, gospel partners, our student ministry. Uh, You guys are unbelievable and allow these things to happen here at Good News, and so thank you. Hey, I wanted to introduce you uh, to Rosanna Karpiak. Uh, She's up here because we have something coming up um, in a few weeks, September 15th through the 17th, which is Good News Camp. And uh, I brought Rosanna up uh, so that she could tell you a little bit more about that. So, uh, Rosanna, tell us where you're originally from and how long you've been coming to Good News.
1: I'm originally from the Miami area, Palmetto Bay, Pinecrest to be exact. Yeah. And I have been coming to Good News for two and a half years.
0: Yeah, so glad that you got escaped the uh, the hot weather the heat. and moved to St. Augustine. There's hot, yeah, there's... It's hot up here, too. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> most people don't realize that. Yeah. Hey, uh, you and your husband Craig are involved in a small group. Tell us a little bit about your yeah, small group. Yeah, there they are. Why do you, why do you go? <laughs>
1: um, I got involved in small group right away, even before I became a member or anything. It was the best thing we ever did. Um, We, and in fact, um, our small group, I think we have the mayor of St. Augustine, David Slemp, is our leader. (laughs) We call him the mayor because everywhere we go, he knows somebody. So I've been introduced to St. Augustine, like just through my small group. It's been wonderful. And so we are a group that plays together, but we pray together and we lean on each other. And it's um, gotten me through um, this whole transition of leaving my home in Miami and moving up here. Yeah, Yeah, it's been awesome.
0: I'm so glad that you found a place where you can be known and that you can know others. Yes. So we're going on this weekend, Mm -hmm. and um, I know a little bit about your story and how um, camp has impacted not only your life, but your family's life as well. And so tell us a little bit about how Jesus has drawn you to himself Uh, using a a weekend at a time
1: Um, yeah well camp is very dear to my heart because as I remember Jesus over 50 years ago at camp in the middle school I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior so camp it was a church camp and my eyes and heart were open and um, I committed myself to following Jesus so he's been with me for over 50 years um, through the valleys and, you know, through the mountaintop experiences. But also my three children, who are now grown, um, also accepted Christ at camp. So it um, two of them were in fifth grade. One of them was in eighth grade. And camp has always been very special because it's a glimpse of heaven. You're pulled away from all of the distractions of home and life. And then we are pulled together with other believers, yep. and it just makes for a wonderful setting, yeah.
0: Amen. And most of the time when we stand up here and we invite people to come to camp, we're talking about students. But this is a weekend in which all of Good News Church is invited. I mean, not only our campus, but the World Goth Village campus is coming too. There's probably close to 175 people signed up right now. Mm. Um, Tell us a little bit about why you're coming on uh, the Good News Weekend Camp.
1: Well, I'm coming to camp because I experienced a camp high many years ago, and I know a lot of the youth probably know what I'm talking about, and that camp high, again, I think is a glimpse of heaven because you are breaking bread together, you are having fun together, you are worshiping together, you're learning about Jesus together, and that's a glimpse of heaven to yeah. me. And so that Camp High, I've, I haven't had that in many, many years, and I'm looking forward to that, but I'm also looking forward to meeting a lot of people that I don't know. Yeah. Is, <laughs> I think that's really going to be special. When
0: you go away together for 48 hours, things just change. Yes. Your, your church body, you come back with friendships and relationships that take years um, to manifest themselves. If you're just kind of meeting meeting people in the lobby along the way, you know. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm really really excited that you're coming with us to um, to camp. Yeah. Smiley, if you would come on up, up real real quick, uh, as I make this last announcement, there you can come on. There are uh, orange cards in the lobby. If you would like to uh, to come to camp, um, we 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 have plenty of room available. And part of the reason why we're up here doing this is because this is going to be one of the weekends that if you don't go. you're going to see a slideshow and a video and you're going to hear people talk about and tell stories about things that happened at camp. And you're going to say to yourself, I wish that I would have been here. And so we're just trying to get on the front end of this. Camp is a cruise without the boat. Somebody is going to fix you (laughs) delicious food and then clean it all up for you. There are tons of activities uh, for you to participate in. And if going a little bit slower is more your speed, there's ample opportunities to do that. Don't, don't miss it. Um, one of the things, I don't know if you know this or not, but one of the things um, that, that I know about Rosanna is tell us, tell us what you did for a living for um, before you moved up here to St. Augustine.
1: Um, I was a dance teacher for 35 years in Miami-Dade County Public Schools.
0: Yeah, and, and what, I, what I've <laughs> noticed is that um, our pastor, he, he actually doesn't have a go-to dance move. And so as a dance instructor... <laughs> If, if you were going to give him a go-to dance move, what, what would you pick for him?
1: I don't know. I'm thinking
0: motorcycle, yeah. you know. <laughs> the last time you would play,
2: you
0: had to with the same thing. So. <laughs> Should we just pray instead? Yeah. Okay, let's do uh, that. that. Jesus, thank you that we could come and, uh, and laugh and celebrate you. And, uh, Lord, I pray for, uh, for, for, for the good news camp that um, you would have your way, that your will would be done and that um, we would go in anticipation of you doing uh, surprising things in our lives. And Jesus, I don't know what that will be for each person that will come, but we pray that you would uh, continue to transform us into the image and likeness of your son. Thank you for bringing Rosanna and Craig here to good news and for giving them a place to belong. And Jesus, I pray for Smiley as, as he speaks this morning that you would fill him with your Holy Spirit and that you would allow him to just simply say exactly what you want to say. Lord, it is such a privilege to get to do life with you, and let us walk away this morning understanding more and more uh, what a privilege that is. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Rosanna.
2: Thank you. I'm still suffering from PTSD. The last time you invited me up here, all I could think of was you invited me up to dance, and you did it again, so... Hey, last, last weekend was so cool to see so many children here uh, in our Move Up Sunday, and, and I just wanted to, I was talking with Tony, and there's opportunities. What's really neat about being a part of a church is there's opportunities to serve, and we had so many children last week that Tony said, uh, we're looking for three more people so we can open up more rooms during the 9 a.m. service for children to come and learn about Jesus, and four more people for our current needs at the 10.30 service. The commitment would be twice a month working with other members who've already been trained and established in kids' ministry. We'll provide training for these new people so that they, they are comfortable leading in a kid's small group. And what an opportunity to plug in and, and welcome children and, and help them uh, know Christ. You could mark that on your card, put me in, coach, and Tony will get in touch with you to help train you for that. It was also great this past Monday. On Monday, our middle schoolers met back for the first time, and on Wednesday, our high school students did. We're so blessed to have Logan here. It wasn't great to see them getting off to a great start this week. Uh, And and we rejoice this week, too, that we saw two people put their faith in Christ, and we rejoice with that. Um, If you're new, we believe the Bible is God's Word. We love to open it up together. If you don't own a copy of the Bible, you can get one in the lobby. And if you're a Christian, bring a Bible with you. It's God's Word, and, and, and it's good to get familiar with it. And it's, it's a cool book because when you open it up, it just smells like Jesus. So if you have your Bible with me, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And some of you will be really excited to know that we're actually moving on now. We spent a long time in some verses, and today... We're going to start reading in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ. Oh, I love the word remember, don't you? In a month or so, my wife and I will be married for 42 years. You should approve what her. And she has all these books that all these pictures are in. And I love to get out the book and remember. And remember the first day I met her at Spanish River Park and how beautiful she was and is. And I love to remember that. And I love to look at the pictures of our wedding and remember. And I love to look at the pictures and remember when Lydia, our first child, was born and how special that was. And I love to remember Like when we were together at at a national championship game in Miami and with Caleb and I love to remember when we were together. We were together when our daughter Mary graduated from nursing school. It was so good to have things to remember together. Isn't it great to have shared memory? And then I began to think, you know, I've been doing life with Jesus for fifty four years. So many memories. Man, I remember Jesus. I remember the first time I heard the gospel and understood it when the Holy Spirit opened my eyes and softened my heart and I believed in Jesus and I invited him in and he moved in and I remember and still remember how good it is to be forgiven, how good it is to have a friend. I mean, I have made so many people mad in 54 years. But there's no friend like Jesus, right? Because when he moves in, he says, I'm never leaving, Don't we all long to have a friend who moves in and says they're never leaving man? A friend. And and you know what? He he's brought a purpose into my life that every day since he moved in, I've had a purpose to my life and I've got a future. It's so good to remember Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul does here. He says, Remember Jesus Christ. And so that's going to be the action step for them, I mean the, the point for today's message. It's going to be really, really simple. I want to teach you how to remember Jesus Christ. Because so often as Christians, we don't need to learn something new, but we do need to remember. So let me set the context up a little bit. Uh, Paul is about to die, and he's been equipping Timothy. He's been equipping Timothy to carry on without him, equipping him to be an effective disciple-maker, an effective pastor. And we've been learning that too. And, and he said qualities that would help Timothy and us to be effective disciple-makers would be that we're fat, that we're faithful and available and trainable, and, and we unpack those for a few weeks. And now he's adding, in addition to being faithful and available and, tra- and trainable, Timothy, what's really important is to remember Jesus Christ. So as I teach you to remember Jesus Christ, the first thing I want to remind you of is Jesus is not His first name and Christ is not His last name. Actually, Jesus is His name. Jesus is a name, but Christ is a a title. It's a title. So listen, His name is Jesus. You remember the name, right, that that Mary's pregnant and uh, Joseph finds out and he says, yes, it's true, I'm pregnant, but it's not what you think. This child is of the Holy Spirit. And uh, Joseph doesn't believe, right? So an angel appears to Joseph, and in Matthew 1, 21, she will bear a son. He, he says, Mary's telling you the truth. This is of the Holy Spirit. And then he says, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So his name is Jesus, and Jesus means Savior. But Christ is not his last name, it's a title. It means anointed one, it means Messiah. Uh, Let me show you that in Luke chapter 4, verse 16. And Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stood up to read. And he took the book of the prophet Isaiah, was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written. One of the reasons Jesus knew the Scriptures so well is every Sabbath, where is He? He's in the synagogue. And what did they do in the synagogue? They opened up the Word and they read it together. (laughs) And so if we want to know God's Word, one of the things that's very helpful is to follow Jesus' example and be in His house when His Word is read. But He opened the book and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He... He anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. So Jesus was anointed. He was the anointed one. That's what Christ or Messiah means, the anointed one. He, he, the Holy Spirit anointed him at his baptism, right? Filling him, preparing him for his ministry. And he sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. He's anointed me to proclaim good news. And so far they said, we love you, Jesus, we love you. And then he said, and then I'm going to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And then they said, we hate your guts. And they tried to kill him. But it wasn't his time to die, so Jesus walked away. So as we remember Jesus Christ, let's remember Jesus is his name and Christ is his title. He's the Messiah, the anointed one. Now... What I'm about to do now is going to get pretty theological, so I'm going to put on my I Love Theology hat. I love my hat. See what it says? It says, I love theology. Now, I want to teach you to love theology too because theos is God and logos is to study. And what we're going to do this morning, it's going to be theological. You need to lean in a little bit more. You need to put on your theology hat so you stay with me. But I promise you, If you'll lean in, if you'll listen a little harder, you'll be so glad you didn't check out, okay? That's why we need to put on our theology hat, so, okay? And, you know, you're smarter than the average congregation, so I think you'll be able to follow me, okay? So when we talk about remember Jesus Christ, the first thing we need to remember to have good theology is the person and work of Christ. Good theology deals with the person, that is, who is Jesus, and the work, what did Jesus come to do? Good theology deals with the person and work of Christ, and they're both given in this verse. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David according to my gospel. So, uh, who is Jesus? Listen, he's fully God and fully man and one person, Two natures, and they're both given in this verse. See how it says he's a descendant of David? That Jesus was fully human and he was a descendant of David, just like the Old Testament said he would be. But he's also fully God in that when he was dead, he walked out of the grave, Uh, he's risen from the dead, he's fully God. One person, two natures, fully God, fully man. Paul shared this even more clearly clearly. In Romans chapter 1, where the in Romans 1, he begins, Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh. So, he was fully human, he was a descendant of David, just like the Older Testament said he would be, who was declared who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. Why should we believe He's fully God? Because on the third day He rose out of the grave, death couldn't hold Him. According to the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. So the Bible teaches that Jesus is fully God and fully man. And some of you might say, well, you know, why should I believe that? Well, just examine the evidence. I mean, He came into the world in a unique way. He was born of a virgin, that's unique. He lived a perfect life, that's unique. That's unique. When when they tried to bring a charge against him, they couldn't find a charge. How long do you think it would take to find a charge that would stick against me, right? Not long. But he was perfect. The miracles that he did attest to who he is. And, listen, when they put him to death, he rose on the third day. So good theology begins with who is Jesus. He's fully God. He's fully man. In this verse as well, back to 2 Timothy, we see the work of Christ. When it says he was risen from the dead, it's, a, it's implying how Christ died for our sins. What is the work of Christ? The work of Jesus Christ is to save us from our sins. Huh. The word gospel means good news, but to appreciate that Jesus would save us from our sins, we have to understand the bad news, which is we have a problem called sin. And it's a twofold problem. First, we are sinners. And secondly, we have sinned. It's important to understand that we are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. That's our nature. So again, why should we believe the Bible? The Bible says we're sinners. So I would just ask you, as you look at the world around you, do you see any evidence of the sinfulness of man? Is there? Do you ever stop and think how much of our lives deal with the sinfulness of man? We have police to protect us from one another, right? Right? And, and we have jails to put people in to protect us from others, right? And we have armed forces to protect us from other countries, don't we? And we have guns and dogs and burglar alarms and passwords. Do you hate passwords like me? Why do we have to put a password on everything? Why? Because people are sinful. And listen, it's not just other people. It's true of all of us. In your whole life, have you ever told a lie? Have you? Man, I have. What does that make us? A liar, right? Oh, man, in your whole life, have you ever stolen anything? I have. Have you? You know what that makes us? Thieves, right? In your whole life, did you ever disobey or be disrespectful to your parents? Man, man, I sure have. Haven't you? The Bible says we've all sinned against God. That's what sin is. It's a crime against God. And we've sinned over and over again. And God is just, and He says, what we deserve for what we've done is hell. That's the bad news. But here's the good news. God the Son put on flesh, that's who Jesus is, lived a perfect life, climbed on the cross, our sins were placed on Him, and He died in our place once and for all for our sins. And from the cross He cried out, it's finished. He said He would paid in full the penalty for our sins, but how do we know? How do we know that He paid in full the penalty for sin? The way we know is the third day He walked out of the grave. It's His resurrection that proves His work was done. Having paid the full penalty for, for sin and death, death couldn't hold Him anymore and He walks out and He offers us the greatest gift ever, the gift of salvation. Do you know what the gift of salvation is? It's a salvation from our sins. It's salvation from wasting our lives. It's salvation from wasting our eternity. It's a salvation from hell. You know what salvation is? salvation for forgiveness. It's a salvation for doing life with Jesus and doing eternity with Jesus. And how do we receive the greatest gift ever given? It's by faith. Oh, in Romans 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your God that God... Believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. We're saved by faith, not by trying harder. And saving faith is as simple it's ABC where we admit and believe and commit. And if you've never done this, won't you do this now? Or I'd be glad to assist us when we close in prayer. We don't save ourselves by trying hard. No, no, the way we're saved is we admit Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry and I've done that and if you've never done that, won't you do that? And then we believe, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose, won't you? And then we commit to Jesus as Savior and Lord, come in and be my Savior and forgive me. Oh, it's so good to be forgiven, won't you ask him to forgive you and give me eternal life? It's so good to know where I'm going to spend eternity, don't you want to? And Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, won't you? And if you have, won't you smile a little bit? Did you hear what it says? That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you know what good theology means? We're saved. We're forgiven. We get to do life with Jesus. We get to do eternity with Jesus. So remember Jesus Christ. Remember the person and work of Jesus Christ and notice what he says too uh, according to my gospel you know what he means by that first he means that he wasn't taught the gospel by other apostles he was taught directly by Jesus but I think also he says you know it's 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 my gospel it's very personal and, and so I might talk to you about my Jesus because it's personal and and, and I know I, I know Jesus loves you but you know what he told me? I'm his favorite. Did you know that? He, he really loves me. He's my Jesus. Is, is, isn't he yours too? Oh, remember Jesus Christ. For which I also, for which I suffer hardship, the next verse even to imprisonment as a criminal, but the word of God is not in prison. The next thing I want us to remember is that Jesus Christ is our model for life and ministry, even our model for how to deal with suffering. Paul says Jesus went first, that Jesus had shown him how to suffer, that though he was imprisoned as a criminal, the gospel was, un- was not imprisoned, and it was spreading around the world. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, He moves into us and He says to us, follow me. And He becomes our model for life and for ministry. And He gives us the Holy Spirit to give us the desire and power to follow Him. And so when we encounter suffering for the gospel, we look and see that Jesus shows us how to suffer. Jesus is the best leader because He never asked us to do what He was unwilling to do. He went first and He shows us how to suffer. Because when we follow him, sometimes we will suffer for doing so. In John 15, verse 18, Jesus said, If the world hates you, don't you realize the world hated Jesus? The world nailed him to a cross. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. Oh. When we share the gospel with people, we will usually encounter hunger, and people will come, but sometimes we encounter hostility. When we share the bad news of the gospel that we're all sinners, sometimes people get offended. When we share the good news that Jesus welcomes all who put their faith in Him, sometimes people get get offended. You mean someone can do that and that and that and just believe in Jesus and go to heaven? Well, even you can do that and go to heaven, right? Right? Oh, didn't Jesus teach us that in John 17 when he's praying for us? John 17, 14, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they're not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sometimes Christians tell me, smiling, I, I, I don't fit in here, we're, we're not supposed to. Didn't, didn't you see how the world hated Jesus? The world will hate us too. I mean, in our culture today, if we affirm what the Bible teaches, that God created us, some people will hate us. If we affirm that God created us male and female, there's two sexes, male and female, there are people in our culture who will hate us. If we affirm what the Bible teaches, that marriage is God's institution, the permanent union of a man and woman, there are people who will hate us. When we teach that sex belongs in marriage, to be enjoyed alone between a husband and wife, we can expect there will be heat. And when we suffer, Jesus is our model. Listen, he went first. He went first. If the world treated him like that, why would we imagine the world would love us? Um, So listen... Remember Jesus Christ, the person and work of Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. He's our model for life and ministry, including suffering. For this reason, I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus and with it eternal glory. So I want to call your attention to two words, chosen first, and then we'll look at salvation. Salvation. He says that he's willing to suffer for the sake of those who are chosen. And it's so funny to me how many Christians go to such great lengths to explain what the Bible teaches so clearly that when we remember Jesus Christ, we remember that we are chosen, that he chose us. What does it mean, chosen? It means that he chose us long before we chose him, that he loved us long before we loved him. You know why? Because if he didn't choose us, we never would have chosen him. We never would have. If he hadn't loved us first, we would never have loved him. Some of you aren't convinced, so let me help you get there. You're driving down the road, and you see a turtle sitting on a fence post. What do you know? What do you know? It didn't get there on its own right. Someone what? Put it there. How do you know if you're chosen? Listen, if you believe in Jesus, you're chosen. How do you know? Because you never would have gotten there on your own. Let me, let me show you that in, in Ephesians chapter 2. Are, are you a Christian? You didn't get on that fence post on your own, buddy. Did you know that? In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 for by but God being rich in mercy. Mercy is God's love shown toward the helpless. We were helpless. God showed us mercy. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were were dead, what can dead people do? Stink, right? They can stink. When we were dead in our transgressions, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. God loved you so much that he sent someone to share the gospel with you, but he also sent the Holy Spirit to raise you from the dead and open your ears so you could hear and understand and believe. How do you know you're chosen? Because you're alive. Remember Lazarus? Remember Lazarus had died, right? He's in the tomb, what, four days? The King James Version, what, he stinketh? So Jesus said what? Lazarus, what? What? Come out. Can dead people just walk out? Only if what? Only if Jesus raises them from the dead in the first place, right? So Jesus spoke, and as He spoke, the Word of God raised Him from the dead and enabled Him to come. And so it is with us that Jesus spoke. He he sent someone to share the gospel, and the Holy Spirit raised us from the dead and drew us to Christ. Um, How do we know we're chosen? Because we believe. But here's the really good part. You know why He chose us? So we could be with Him. Is that the most amazing thing ever? That that He arranged your whole life and drew you so you could be with Him now and forever. Isn't that amazing? And not only did He choose you to be with Him, but He chose us so we could join Him. We could join Him and be involved in what He's doing in the world. Did did you see all the preseason NFL games yesterday? All these people are trying so hard to make a team and most of them won't. But Jesus chose you and me to be on His team. Isn't that amazing? And not to win football games, but to join Jesus in seeing dead people come to life and people make disciples. He chose us to be involved in His work and not to waste our lives. Isn't that amazing? You're not convinced. Exhibit A, the Apostle Paul. Uh, What's was Saul, was Saul seeking Jesus, was he? No, no, what Jesus was seeking, Paul, right? So Paul is on a mission to put Christians to death. Jesus finds him. Jesus saves him, but he's blinded. So an angel, So the Lord comes to a man named Ananias and says, I want you to go and open Paul's eyes. And Ananias says, what? I kind of like his eyes being closed. Oh. Listen to this. Here's what God, Jesus said to Ananias, Acts 9, verse 15. But the Lord said to me, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. Do you know why we see Paul going everywhere and sharing the gospel? Because he was dead And Jesus raised him from the dead and said, let's do life together. And then he said, I've raised you from the dead because I've given you a purpose. I want you to go and share the gospel. And oh, he went. Do you know that's true of us? That Jesus has raised us from the dead. He's called us to himself. Yes, that we would enjoy him. But he's got a purpose for our lives while we're here. He's chosen you so that you could go where you live and work and play and share his name. That's Exhibit A. You're still not convinced. Let me give you Exhibit B. Exhibit B is in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a, a chosen race. I mean, isn't that cool? Someone wanted me. Someone wanted me. His name is Jesus. He didn't want me to waste my life in eternity. He chose me and He chose you. Why? But you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. He chose us to be His, to enjoy Him forever. And also, so that they may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. He's chosen us so we could go out and share the good news with others. That listen, God has called me. He's given me life. He's drawing you to Himself. For you were once not a people, but now, You are the people of God. You would not receive mercy, but now you have received mercy. Isn't that cool? We were dead, dead, dead. And Jesus loved us. He chose us. He called us to himself. He raised us from the dead so that we could do life and eternity with us. And then while we're here on earth, he has a purpose for our lives. He wants to send us out to share the good news with others. That's why I love theology. It's it's so, so good. Oh, the other word, that I wanted to bring out to you in here was the word that's chosen, but I wanted to bring out the word salvation. Salvation because I don't think we appreciate that word, and so I'm going to help you understand what salvation means. Uh, many of you have seen this, but I want to get out my umbrella of, of salvation. You know, you have an umbrella, it's all folded up, and then you lift it up, and there's all these panels, right? There's all these panels that make up the umbrella. The word salvation is a, it's an inclusive term. It, it, it's inclusive. It's many faceted. Listen, salvation includes justification, adoption, sanctification, and glorification. I know those are big words. That's why we put on our big boy hats. Our love theology, right? So I'm going to help you understand why it's important to understand justification and adoption and sanctification and glorification. So you leave here rejoicing at what it means to be saved. That you leave here, that you have to share everyone what you learned today about how great is our salvation. starts with justification. In Romans 5 verse 1, I mean... Do you ever just pinch yourself and say, this is too good to be true? This can't be true. This can't be true. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So many people think the only way to be right with God is to be really, really good, and none of us are. And then one day we hear, no, it's by faith. It's by faith. And the moment we put our faith in Jesus, all of our sins are are imputed to Christ and we're forgiven, and the righteousness of Christ is imputed to us so that things are cool between us and God. From that moment on, we have peace with God. Aren't you overwhelmed to think that when God looks at you, that your standing before God at any given moment is not based on your performance, but His? That's why we're at peace with God. I'm talking to Christians all the time. They say, I'm not a good Christian. I say, wait, there's good ones and bad ones? Don't you understand that our standing before God is not based on our righteousness, but His oh Justification. Therefore, being, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus has our sins. He gave us His righteousness. Talk about the deal of the ages. I mean He takes our sin and he gives us his righteousness. Now that's justification, and justification leads into adoption, into adoption. Um, we're not just justified, we're adopted into god 's forever family. In First John chapter three, verse one, see. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God and such we are. Can you believe it? We're children of God. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God. I mean, justification is amazing. That's the foundation of salvation. But the ceiling, the the height, the height is we're adopted. I mean, it's one thing that God would forgive us, It's one thing that he would clothe us in the righteousness of Christ. It's another that he'd invite us home for dinner. (laughs) We could just sit at the table with the Father and the Son. It's another thing that he would give us his name. We're children of God. It's another thing that he would say we can call God Father. We can call Jesus our big brother. And these things are so hard for us to believe that the Bible says that God gave us the Holy Spirit to whisper in our ears, it's true, it's true, it's true. We're children of God. We really can call God Father. We can call Him Abba. We really can call Jesus our big brother. I mean... We get to eat with the Father and Son, that, that we have the Holy, we're, we're children of God, we have brothers and sisters. Oh, how amazing is salvation. It's justification that then leads into adoption, and then adoption leads into sanctification. Sanctification, you see, when Jesus moves into us, he says, "Follow me." Isn't that exactly what this passage teaches? Look how adoption leads to sanctification. Verse 2, Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him because we will see Him just as He is. Everyone and everyone who has this hope fixed on Him purifies himself just as He is pure. When Jesus moves in, He says, Follow me. And the Holy Spirit says, Look at Jesus. He invites you to follow Him. Isn't that the life you want to live? Follow Jesus. Look at Jesus, he invites you into ministry, follow him. And that's what sanctification is. It's following Jesus, right? And everyone who has this hope fixed on he lived a beautiful life, then we follow him and become more and more like him. Justification leads into adoption. Adoption leads into uh, sanctification and sanctification leads into glorification. Glor- you know what glorification means? That Jesus always finishes what he starts. It isn't, isn't that good? The reason it's so important to understand Jesus starts the work is so that we have great confidence that he finishes the work. Oh, let me show you. Um, in Romans chapter 8, this is often called the golden chain of salvation. There's all these incredible links that start in eternity past and stretch to eternity in the future. But in Romans chapter 8, <clears throat> verse 28, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He knew you, loved you, before the world was created. He also predestined to become conformed to, his, to the image of His Son so that He would be the firstborn among many brethren. He set up a plan to save you so that you could be with him and then you could join him in expanding his family. And these whom he predestined, those he determined to save, he also called. He loved you. He arranged your whole life to send someone to share the gospel and the Holy Spirit and to draw you to himself. And those whom he called, he also justified. He took our sin and gave us his righteousness. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Jesus finishes what he starts. (laughs) It's so certain that he's going to finish the work that he uses the word glorified as though it already happened. And you know what that means? That Jesus' garage is different from yours. That Jesus' garage is different from yours because I know if I go in your garage, I'll find all these things you started and never finished, right? Because you got bored. Oh, but if you go in Jesus' garage, every project he starts, he finishes. Aren't you glad? So remember Jesus Christ, the person and work, that he's our model, that we're chosen, that salvation is, is this umbrella term that includes justification and adoption and sanctification and glorification. Oh, uh, One more thing. We're almost done here. Um, Forget your clock. Love theology. We've got to finish this. Okay, verse 11. It is a trustworthy statement, for if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. There are four lines here. They probably come from an ancient hymn. The top two lines describe uh, how how Jesus is faithful to to save those who believe in him. And the second two lines show that Jesus is faithful to punish those who reject him. Notice one other thing. I think this is funny. The first two were wee-wees. Did you see that? The first two, if we died with him, we will live with him. If we endure with him, we will reign with him. And notice the second two are Not we-wees, they're we-hees, that if we deny Him, He will also deny. If we are faithless, He remains faithful. So let's start at the top. Jesus promises to save those who believe in Him. He says that if we've died with Him, we will also live with Him. And and listen, when we come to faith in Christ, we all die to ourselves because we turn from our sin and self-trust and we put our faith in Christ. Let me show you this in Galatians 2, verse 20. um, This is so good. What does it mean to die with Him and live with Him? I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live. When we come to faith in Christ, we turn loose to the old person, and we become a new person. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. How cool is it to be a Christian? Jesus moves in, right? In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So listen, if we died, by putting our faith in Christ, we will also live with him. And then he says, if we endure, we will also reign with him. The evidence of saving faith is endurance. The evidence of saving faith is endurance because the Christian life is a marathon, it's not a 100-meter race. It's a marathon. And that's why it's so important that the most important thing we can do as Christians is to abide in Christ, to abide in Christ. Uh, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Once you plug into Jesus, stay there, to be with a friend who loves you and stay there. Uh, Listen, Jesus promises he's faithful to save those who believe in him. But Jesus is also faithful to punish those who reject him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. That one's pretty straightforward. People get a little bit more confused on the next one. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Uh, What does that mean? That he remains faithful, he's a promise keeper. And he will save those who believe in him, and he will punish those who reject him. Let me show you in Matthew chapter 10. Jesus said, therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. Uh, a lot of people come to discover good news. We're going to invite you up and take a vows in front of people. I, I don't want to be in front of people. It's important. Jesus said What? That if we confess him before men, then he would confess us before our Father who is in heaven. And this is a friendly crowd. If we find it difficult to confess him before a friendly crowd, how will we do before an unfriendly crowd? But notice the next thing that he says. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Just like Jesus is faithful to his promise to save those who confess him, he's also faithful to punish those who don't. You see, Jesus is not like many of us as moms or dads. Because I see this all the time. I'll see a dad say, Johnny, come here. And Johnny doesn't come. And then the dad says, Johnny, on the count of three, you better be here. And then the dad goes, one, two, two and a quarter, two and a half." And you know what? Johnny never comes. And you know what? He never follows through. That's not like Jesus. If you want to know what Jesus is like, look at the ark. Look at the flood. Because Jesus promised those who got on the ark, when God's wrath fell, they would be saved. And it's true, right? Those who got on the ark, what happened? They were saved, right? But God warned people that those who did not get on the ark, that when God's wrath fell, they would perish. And those who didn't, he followed through, didn't he? And so it will be at the end. That's why it's so important we remember Jesus Christ. Now, after all this remember Jesus Christ, I bet you can't uh, guess what our action step is going to be this week, huh? This is the simplest message you will ever heard. It's just three words, the whole thing. Remember Jesus Christ. How do we do that? That means on the first day of the week, we gather together. You know why we gather on the first day of the week? That's the day Jesus rose from the dead. So every Sunday when we gather together, we remember Jesus together. Isn't it nice to know there's other people who believe he rose too? We remember him together. And that's why I encourage you in the morning to get up and spend time with Jesus because the most important thing we can do when we get up in the morning is to remember Jesus Christ. And then as we head out the door to school or we head out the door to work, the most important thing we can do is what? To remember Jesus Christ, that He's our model for life and ministry. And so as we get up and spend time with Jesus this week, let's remember what we learn. Let's remember that Jesus is God who became a man to save us from our sins. And let's remember He's our model for life and ministry, even suffering. And let's remember we're chosen to be with Him and to spread the word. And let's remember salvation is an inclusive term. And let's remember He's faithful, both to His promise to save and to punish. Oh. I would really love you this week that you would, when you spend time with Jesus, you would get out your umbrella, you know, your umbrella of salvation, put it up, you know how you have the umbrella. And here's what I would love for you to do. Oh, Jesus, thank you for the greatest exchange ever that I've given you my sins and I'm forgiven and you've given me your righteousness. Thank you. And after you remember him, I want you to know who are the people you know who who really would love to hear about the greatest exchange ever given, that Jesus offers people an opportunity to exchange all their mess for his righteousness. Won't you go and share? And then I want you to remember adoption. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you that I'm a part of your forever family. Father, I'm thankful that I have a father. Jesus, I'm thankful you're my big brother. I'm thankful I have brothers and sisters. And if you remember him, I want you to think, who are the people you know who are lonely? Who do you know who would love to hear how how Jesus wants them to be a part of his forever family? Won't you go and invite them? Oh, And then when you get to sanctification, Lord, thank you. Thank you that when I believed in me, you gave me the Holy Spirit, that you have given me supernatural power and desire to follow after you. And as you thank him for sanctification, who do you know? Who do you know who's struggling with pornography or alcohol or drugs? Who do you know? And they're struggling so hard and failing. Wouldn't they love to know what you know? That when you believe in Jesus, that not only does he forgive us, but he gives us the Holy Spirit to give us the desire and power to walk out of our sins. Who do you know? Won't you share? Don't keep him to yourself. Oh, and then when we get to glorification, won't you say, Lord, I am so thankful I am so thankful you finished what you start. So, so thankful, man. Won't you thank him? But who do you know? Who do you know who's so discouraged? Who do you know who's so down? Wouldn't they love to know that when Jesus moves in, he always promises to finish what he starts? Oh, this week when we remember Jesus Christ, let's thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Let's thank him. And then let's let that tell, us our, tell our face. Can you imagine if we woke up this week and we just looked at an indescribable gift and we told our face and we went out, people would say, what happened to you? What happened? And you could say, man, I have received an indescribable gift. And just stop. What are they going to say? What is it? What is it? Well, it's indescribable. Well, try, try. Try. You can do it. You've been taught, right? I love theology, right? I mean, imagine. You see, Jesus offers us the greatest exchange ever. We can give him our sin, and he gives us his righteousness. You know what? Jesus invites us to be a part of his forever family. Do you long for a family? Do you know, Jesus doesn't say try harder. When he forgives us, he gives us the Holy Spirit so we can change. And do you know what else? When Jesus starts, he always finishes. Wouldn't you like to receive an indescribable gift? You can, you know. You really, really can. Let's pray. Jesus... Thank you for putting on flesh and coming to earth to seek and save sinners like me and like all of us. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising and offering us salvation. If perhaps for the first time today you've understood that salvation is a free gift, that we don't work for it, we receive it, won't you receive the gifts? Won't you put your faith in Jesus? Won't you tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry? And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. Well, if you've prayed that for the first time, way to go, way to go. won't you mark that on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you and pray for you. Tell someone. It'll make Jesus more real to you. And Lord, I pray for all of us who have received you that today would help us to remember Jesus Christ, to remember the indescribable gift. Lord, thank you for choosing us to be with you. Thank you for choosing us that we could be a part of what you're doing in the world. Lord, keep us from wasting our lives. Oh, Lord, may we remember your indescribable gift this week. May we thank you. May we smile. And may we share with others the greatest gift, an indescribable gift, the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.